the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we got a ton of things we could cover today, including uh, Joe Biden earlier Monday appointed the Republican. Uh, to keep running the uh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. I'm not sure I believe that the guy's a Republican, but basically... Um, the message there is that we're going to keep doing everything we're doing, which is spending more money, printing more money, flooding the zone. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope that the progressives are mad at him. I don't think it's good for the country no matter what. I think the Fed is out of control. But be that as it may, that's not what I want to talk about. Welcome. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got a short week. Everybody's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. So I know you'll be off and about. I hope you'll take the Pro-America Report as a podcast. If you're listening live now, you can go to Pro-America report.com proamericareport.com and you can sign up there for the daily wink you can also get all the great interviews we're doing all that stuff is available there and for now we got some great interviews. Ted Malik is coming in. Uh, we also will, I think I got a Christmas story. I'm going to get this in under the gun here right before Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to talk with our old friend from over at WT, excuse me, geez, can't speak today, EWTN. His name, of course, is Raymond Arroyo. He's got the spider who saved Christmas, and uh, we'll talk with him about that. But before we get to that, what you need to know, today's wink is a little different. Like I said, we could talk about the Build Back better uh, boondoggle that passed uh, on Friday through the House. It's got to go over to the Senate. I don't know if it'll have any chance to pass, but I will tell you it's money. Follow the money. I think ultimately the Democrats will make a deal with each other to get some money. That's what they do. Spend, spend, spend. But I don't want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about uh, the Rittenhouse ruling, the Rittenhouse decision. I'm glad he was acquitted. I think the system worked, and I think we're seeing the left, especially MSNBC, lose their minds. No, today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about how CNN is being silenced by the government. You heard me right. It's not the American government. They would never silence CNN. But over in China, CNN has been silenced by the communist regime in China. Now, why? Well, the story, which, you know, sometimes it's a story that will capture the attention of people that, you know, is a narrative that's different than the big one. The big one right now in in the communist Chinese regime is the command control economy, the command control regime, the command control domination by the Communist Party has done what? Well, it's it's persecuted the Fulan Gong adherents. It's put the Uyghurs, Muslim Uyghurs, into some kind of re-education camp or worse. It's uh, stolen IT, stolen intellectual property property. It's sent fentanyl to America, all these different things. But the story right now is a tennis star, a Chinese tennis star who was uh, for a number of years out on the international tour. Um, She has briefly published the fact that she was abused. The accusation is rape uh, by a senior communist official. And so that that happened. And when she either tweeted about that or did an interview about that, she then was 
um, well, silenced, and no one heard from her. She kind of disappeared. And after people started asking questions, includes including the, uh, is it the World Tennis Association? Whatever the governing body of tennis is, uh, their leadership said, what's going on here? Some uh, leaders in America said, uh, some of tennis uh, and other sports, women's sports said, what's going on here? I guess she was a popular, very popular athlete on the tour. She was a number one ranked doubles partner, I think. I don't think she was quite as good on the on the broader circuit, but on the, on the doubles circuit, she was very successful. And so... She, um, well, she disappeared. And so for about three or four, maybe five days, people have been saying, uh, where is this woman? She made this allegation that this senior communist official raped her or sexually assaulted her. I think it's a rape claim. And she's gone. Well, in the last 48 hours, she has appeared on a video and then she released a statement saying she's fine. And I have to tell you, it looks like a hostage video. To me, I mean, it doesn't look, let me say that different. It doesn't look like a hostage video. It, 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 when you understand the context, you say to yourself, ah, that's a hostage video. It looks like a regular video. It looks like a normal person. It looks like a you know, person talking. But it, you say, what's the context here? And she's, so she has a video where she's, that shows her at an event. She releases a statement, a printed statement, and now she's gone silent again. Now, my point here is the Chinese... The communist regime must be worried. And here's where it gets in. Delicious. CNN covers this and they're blacked out in China because of it. Now, let me re- say this. So we were talking a few weeks ago to Chris Fenton and Chris Fenton has written a book called Feeding the Dragon about his extensive experience in China and how the communist regime dealt with Hollywood and the movies. It's a really good book. It's really interesting about how China works, how the regime works, how initially they wanted to get into uh, Hollywood and wanted access. Then they started doing it themselves and they sort of now have dominated through uh, their own, you know, wherewithal and anyway the tension here well and chris fenton mentioned to me when you go to china if you're staying at a hotel they'll have cnn they'll have some western channels but if they don't like the program they just go black in other words the program will stop for the length of the segment five six seven minutes and then they'll come back on well that's what's happened in china over this tennis player story the tennis player story was being covered by CNN, and it's been blacked out. Now, he also, Chris Fenton also was telling me that you don't get CNN at your home in China. It's only to these hotels, you know, to the international hotels. Still, still end. You, the point is that the communist regime wants to shut down that story, doesn't want people to hear it, and they're willing to go to the, that length. So here's the thing. We should talk about it more. We should talk about it more and we should say what happened here, because at this point we know two things. One, she claimed something and it's a bit sordid, by the way. She later it came out that she had been having a long term relationship with this guy in the past, uh, but that it had stopped. And so it doesn't make it any better or worse. What she what happened to her? I'm not judging it. I'm just saying it's a little bit different than a young woman and this older guy. I, I guess there was some relationship in the past, but we know something. She alleged that something happened. Okay, that's what we know. And then we know that she's basically disappeared. And insofar as people are objecting, saying what happened, the communist regime is scrambling. So here's the real and and the overlay, of course, is that the communist regime is supposed to host the Olympics just in how what in maybe what is it um is it uh is it in three months four months i'm not sure when they start but the olympics are are, are supposed to be in the winter olympics in beijing 
Oh, February. Yeah, February 4th. So we're talking about one, two, three. We're talking about three months from now. Not even less than three months, two and a half months from now, the world's athletes. Now, tennis isn't one of them. Obviously, it's Winter Olympics, but the world's athletes, all the Winter Olympics, hockey and skating and all are all supposed to come to Beijing for the Olympics. And the communist regime is silencing one of their biggest stars. It gets very, very interesting because it gives a... I told you, narrative drives things, right? The story that people have that they relate to. It's one of the things about Chris Fenton's book, Feeding the Dragon. If you read that book, you you have uh, Morton Downey Jr. in there, and you have the the Iron Man, the the, the, uh, movie. You have these stories. Uh, Even Chris Fenton speaks about... um, uh, Kobe Bryant and others, the NBA. He's got all these stories that weave in. It makes you feel the context differently than someone just making an argument, China's big and bad, they're not very nice, they don't treat people well. It's a different kind of argument because of that uh, context. And so I'm, I, what I'm saying is this has the potential of, uh, this has the potential um, of, um, of really being a problem for the Chinese regime. And really being something that the Chinese regime uh, is, uh, is, is going to have to handle or deal with in the next six weeks uh, because they have a problem with the coming Olympics, right? The people are talking about it. I think it was uh, maybe it was Ted Cruz or Tom Cotton, the, the senators uh, were saying well, there should be a diplomatic boycott of the Chinese uh, Olympics. And I don't know what that means. I guess it means that we won't keep the athletes away because it's mean to do to them. They train their whole life and you get to this point and you're going to have it canceled. So you're just going to have not not have the diplomats come i don't know i'm not sure that's i'm not sure that's um uh better i don't know what to make of that but um anyway the point is it's going to be a something that isn't going away it's going to be something that's a big deal we'll have to see uh what comes of it all right uh we've got to take a break when we come back we'll talk with ted malik about this topic and others we also will um later on by the way we uh, we're going to have a uh replay of the noah says segment i think it'll be later this week a thanksgiving version excuse me not a replay uh, a re- we recorded a thanksgiving version of Noah Says. You're going to want to tune in for that uh, later on this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm excited to welcome back the author, Melanie Kirkpatrick. She has uh, also, she's been a journalist. She was over at, the, I think, the Wall Street Journal. So correct me if I get it wrong. Yeah, the editor editorial page uh, there and a senior fellow right now at the Hudson Institute. She has a book that came out uh, this year, I think, called, called Lady Editor, a biography of Sarah Josepha, Josepha Hale and the making of the modern American woman. Really interesting book. We had her on the show a while ago, but it um, got me reminded that she had written a book called Thanksgiving, the holiday at the heart of the American experience. So I want to have her on to talk about that book. So Melanie Kirkpatrick, welcome back to the program. How are you? It's great to be with you again, Ed, and with Thanksgiving almost uh, here. Uh, it's I love talking about one of my favorite subjects. Well, and you must, um, I, I did this to you on the show last time, so pardon my uh, ignorance, but when you read the book of Josepha, uh, of, uh, Sarah Josepha Hale, she, she was, she's kind of the key person for Thanksgiving. 
did did you write the thanks you wrote the Thanksgiving book first and then you realized this woman who was so interesting and extraordinary and then you went and wrote a book about her is that the order do I have the order yeah, correct that, that, that's exactly right I learned about Hale through my research for Thanksgiving she's known as the godmother of Thanksgiving Ed and uh, in the 19th century she was editor of the most popular magazine of the day before the Civil War Godey's Ladies Book and she conducted a campaign for 25 years to get a national celebration of Thanksgiving because back then states and communities celebrated individually and they didn't coordinate on the date. Uh, Finally, Abraham Lincoln uh, listened to what she had to say and in 1863 he called uh, a first national Thanksgiving that is um, now 158 years later uh, still going strong. Well, and so because we all kind of know now that Washington declared it, but he declared that there ought to be Thanksgiving. He didn't declare this date. Right. I mean, is that the the history? Because Washington called a a Thanksgiving. He asked the governors to um, all coordinate on the date and so that all Americans could celebrate on the same day. But then uh, after Washington's two Thanksgivings, uh, the idea was dropped because presidents argued uh, that the Constitution didn't allow a president to uh, proclaim a national Thanksgiving Day, that it was uh, up to the governors to, to do that. So Lincoln comes along finally and says, without mentioning any of the constitutional challenges, just said, you know, let's do it. And he did it. And after that, every president followed his example until uh, the the Great Depression in the 1830s, when Roosevelt called a Thanksgiving, but he changed the traditional date. And then... Mm. Um, Half of the governors said they were going to go along with uh, Roosevelt's date, which they called Frank's giving after Franklin Roosevelt. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. so for three years, the country celebrated on two different dates, half, about half and half. Finally, in 1941, uh, Congress made it official by passing a resolution, which Roosevelt set uh, signed into law, making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday of November. Hmm. Uh, we're talking again with Melanie Kirkpatrick, and she is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and a, and a former uh, uh, editor of the Wall Street Journal. Her website is MelanieKirkpatrick.com, which is where you can look at. And I, I, I hate to encourage my listeners you to buy the book, but if you're not going to buy the book, go there to her website because you can see her book on Thanksgiving, The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience. And she writes uh, describing it and some of the things. By the way, one quick thing I, I always fascinated by um, this woman that you wrote about, Sarah Hale. She was, I think I remember she was either just born or a year or two old when Washington was, uh, was, I guess, president. And then she lived for almost the entire century of the 18th century. I mean, <laughs> yes. you know, one of the things that, yeah, extraordinary all the way through, uh, Lincoln, right? She was, uh, so oh, yeah, she yeah. had this incredible she, uh, she, she timing. She lived uh, till, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes, 16 presidents. Mm. 
uh, spend her wow. life. So she was, uh, and you know, as the older she got and the bigger uh, celebrity she became and more influential she became, um, she corresponded with some presidents. So, uh, you know, huh. they wrote back uh, to her um, uh, explaining, you know, if she wrote him a letter explaining why, uh, what their view on Thanksgiving was and so and so forth. But um, what, one of the fun things about Thanksgiving I had uh, when I was doing the research for it was, um, I, and this was really an afterthought after I completed the masterpiece, the uh, not the masterpiece, the uh, manuscript. And um, I, <laughs> Well, it's a masterpiece, I, too. It's a masterpiece, yeah, I too. Yeah, <laughs> so, right? At least in my own heart. Um, there you go. It, uh, um, I put together a section on historic recipes, and that was mm-hmm. so much fun to do. And then I also did a section called Readings for Thanksgiving Day, and they're short ex- excerpts from 400 years of American history about Thanksgiving, what people had to say about Thanksgiving. And uh, hmm. some of you know, the paperback edition of my book was, has just come out, but so it's been out uh, for a couple of years, and people are telling me that they use that readings for Thanksgiving Day uh, on Thanksgiving Day itself and have hmm. family members and friends read excerpts around the, the dinner table. So I was very, very hmm. honored and pleased to hear that. Uh, again, we're talking with Melly Kirkpatrick, and her website is mellykirkpatrick.com. I meant to say the uh, the book publishers in Counter Books. There is a paperback version that's out just a few weeks ago this fall in 2021. Um, so you can get uh, if you want to save a few dollars, you can get the the book again. Thanksgiving, the, the holiday at the heart of the American experience. Um, Melanie, has thanks has Thanksgiving escaped the modern? cancel culture? Because you do refer to the fact that there were other moments where, as you, one was politics, FDR, but others, other times there were people that, you know, maybe the Native Americans who said, we don't want to celebrate. But has it dodged the modern cancel culture? I don't hear people trying to cancel Thanksgiving. Um, There are progressives who are trying to cancel Thanksgiving. And last year, there were episodes of uh, protests in a couple of Mm. cities and uh, defacing of statues um, but, you know, Ed, um, the holiday is just too popular. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's going yeah. to succeed. Uh, but it'll, it. be, it'll be interesting to see when President Biden issues his Thanksgiving proclamation, whether he makes reference to all of this. So um, mm. I'll, I'll look. It'll, it'll be interesting to see whether he, you know, bows to the progressives as he has on so many issues or whether he just sticks with um, what, you know, I think the vast majority of American people like. So we'll see. Uh- uh, we're, again, we're, we're talking uh, with Melanie Kirkpatrick about uh, Thanksgiving and her, her book, Thanksgiving, the holiday at the heart of the American experience. And I'm also referring back because I, uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. The lady editor, uh, Melanie Kirkpatrick's book on uh, Sarah Hale. Um, did when you when you track how Sarah Hale, it, it, she took it up as her cause. She was writing about Thanksgiving. Um, was the was the resistance to to having a national holiday residual to the time where they just didn't have national things like the federal government was not supposed to call national things? Because, as you point out, some states had it on different days than other places uh, didn't want to do it um, when it was uh, declared. You know, they is that was that why that was? I mean, it seems so obvious to us now, you know, we're going to have that that, that Thursday, in November. It's going to be Thanksgiving. But right. is that why right. they were resisting? 
Now, I, I think um, I, I'm not sure. You know, you know, certainly, um, um, presidents and members of Congress use that as an as an argument. Um, the governors took a, a bigger picture, and most of the governors with whom she hailed uh, correspondent liked the idea and wanted to do it. But the correct way to do it, and Hale even got at this, but she thought it would be too difficult to accomplish, was through legislation. And that's, of course, what ultimately happened uh, hmm. in 1941 when Congress passed that resolution. So... Um, uh, she just thought that she could get a, a president to make the declaration and uh, we could do it and then worry about getting it uh, passed by Congress, which uh, mm. ultimately happened. Um, uh, Melanie Kirkpatrick, I jumped into all these kind of things I had, these notes I had, but I want to go back and say, what's the very beginning of this? I mean, what is the beginning of the Thanksgiving sort of what's the thre- what's the beginning of the thread that comes all the way through to today for uh, for America? If you want to go back to the very beginning, you uh-huh. need to go back to the Native American days of gratitude. And uh, President Reagan was the first to acknowledge their days of great gratitude in uh, as you know part of the history of the holiday, and that was in his 1984 Thanksgiving proclamation when he quoted uh, a prayer um, by the Seneca I- Indian tribe. But um, the the you know I would say the biggest the, after that uh, another big influence of course on the holiday is the what we call the first Thanksgiving in Plymouth in 1621, 400 years ago this fall. So um, and that was a um, certainly a religious affair, and Thanksgiving. That's probably the aspect of Thanksgiving that has changed the most. Um, it's mm-hmm. still religious in that um, I, I think um, you know, people are thanking God for um, our many blessings today, but people don't go to church on a holiday anymore, for sure. Right. Um, yep. So that's, that's a big difference. And the other big influence was um, uh, Sarah Hale's influence, as we discussed earlier. So, But there, you know, there are other threads, too. And uh, the pilgrims, for example, the pilgrims and the, the Indians did not become part of the holiday until the middle of the 19th century. That's really hard to believe, uh, but uh, yeah. uh, Sarah Hale didn't grow up with pilgrims and Indians uh, being in the Thanksgiving, uh, at Thanksgiving dinner. Nobody knew about them back then. Hmm. Um, again, we're, we're talking uh, with Melanie. Uh, we're talking with Melanie Kirkpatrick. I'm, I'm looking at uh, the book that they, they want on paper, on paperback Thanksgiving, the holiday at the heart of the American experience, because it does describe there's readings for Thanksgiving Day and and uh, recipes on Bill's affair. Um, one last question. I, I'd be remiss. Ken, you you wrote editorials for the um editorial page of the Wall Street Journal, which means you had to wade into hard issues. You had to write about them, argue about them. I'm, I've been on, I've been in editorial, I've been on editorial boards and in meetings and all, you know, you have, it's wonderful in a way, it's stimulating. 
How do you answer this sort of, it's kind of a media driven conversation now, but people go, I'm going to go to Thanksgiving and I'm still fighting my uncle George over politics, or I'm still worried about Aunt Judy's opinion of Trump is, have we, and and I watched uh, Andrew Sullivan on 60 Minutes say dramatically, you know, politics is now impeding into our personal life and it's just wrong. And I thought, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. Is it, is it worse now? Is there, what's your tips on how to get along with Uncle George or Uncle or well, Aunt Judy? I, my, my tip is, I guess, to <laughs> um, remember um, uh, the dignity of every individual. As we live in a coarse age, Ed, and uh, yeah. it's and it is a political age. But I I um, I look back to 1863 when Lincoln declared um, that first Thanksgiving, um, you know, where the, the, the predecessor of the one we celebrate today, and it was the middle of the Civil War, for heaven's sake, you know, if if. Right. Um, and in his proclamation, he it's a beautiful piece of prose, and I, I can't urge you and listeners strongly enough to go and read that. It is a beautiful, uh, beautiful piece of prose and beautiful sentiment in it. And at one point, he talks about Americans coming together with one heart and one voice to mark this holiday. Mm. And if we could just come together um, uh, with that grumpy grandpa and <laughs> that, <laughs> right. uh, uh, you know, annoying auntie uh, and um, come together with one heart and one voice on this Thanksgiving day. Um, it would be a wonderful thing. And I hope our country can feel that kind of unity uh, in the future. Well, I encourage our listeners. The book, again, is Thanksgiving, the holiday at the heart of the American experience. Melanie Kirkpatrick knows how to write about this history, put it in context. But also, I'm kind of in, excited at, at your idea of these readings on Thanksgiving Day, which are in the book, and historic Thanksgiving recipes and bills of fare. Uh, that's great, too. So uh, that's if you're going to get in the right direction, uh, check out Melanie Kirkpatrick's book. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for being on, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you, Ed. Happy Thanksgiving back to you and yours. Okay, thanks very much. And by the way, let me say it again so you hear it. Uh, the, the website is MelanieKirkpatrick.com, and M-E-L-A-N-I-E, in case people need to misspell uh, Melanie, I'll spell it, but I'll put it up on social media. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. After that uh, wink, what I just opened with, I needed to get to Ted Malik, our friend. A couple of his recent pieces uh, hit right on that. Ted, I was speaking in the earlier segment about how the communist regime in China does not know what to do about the allegations made by their tennis star uh, that there was a rape by one of the communist officials. And so they actually, sh- I don't know if you saw this, Ted, but they shut off CNN. They shut shut down CNN, which, as I said, I opened it by saying the government is censoring CNN as if we could wish that it was happening in America. But in uh, in and so the Chinese regime is at least worried and they've got the Olympics coming. Right. I mean, this is your piece from a couple days ago. The uh, the yeah. I guess from uh, three days ago, boycotting the genocide Olympics. Um, can we really send anybody to the, to the Olympics? Well, first of all, I don't want to shut CNN down, so let me make that clear. They're going out of business on their own. Uh, (laughs) Their viewership is 600,000 people now, so it's insignificant. But um, 
Yeah, you could have different responses to the what I call the genocide games that are taking place, the Winter Olympics, 24th Winter Olympics, great thing, uh, in February, 4th through the 20th, I believe. Uh, yeah, so I'm arguing for a full, all-out boycott of the Olympics by any country that is against genocide. Um, obviously, that's not, not Joe Biden and his son, but, uh, you know, there are people in the United States who have that sentiment, and I hope a lot of them are conservatives or people of religious persuasion because they're actually killing uh, their Muslim population in the western provinces of, of China. I mean, you could have a diplomatic boycott, which is what some liberal Democrats want. You know, you don't send an official delegation. We don't send Kamala over there to cackle with her gold prize winning cackle. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the games are not going to be moved. The International Olympic Committee said no. You know, they paid for them. And the uh, sponsors, you know, Airbnb, Coca-Cola, a bunch of others, they, they, uh, they're in. They're all in. Comcast paid $7.3 billion to broadcast the Olympics through, I think, 2035. They're all paid up. They're not going to cancel. So as so, so far as I can see, we're going to have a genocide game. This is uh, 1936 and Berlin all over again. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik, and again, his piece is over at American Greatness, boycotting the genocide games. Um, I, I, let me, let me. I want to be a little more specific because I've watched even conservatives. I think Tom Cotton or Ted Cruz saying, "Oh, we should uh, have a diplomatic boycott." That's what Joe Biden said. That just means they don't send Jill Biden over on Air Force Two and a Half or whatever to to cut the ribbon. A, a, a diplomatic. That just means we won't send an entourage of two hundred people who can uh, be feted over there on a on the American taxpayer and the communist regime's money, but they would still send the, to the games. I, my point is with my, mine is with my argument is with yours is along the line of yours. We boycotted. Did we boycott the games in 1980? No, we boycotted them in 84. When yes, did we boycott we did. them? Or no, did we, 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 in 1980 after the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, we boycotted the games. We did attend, although there was a lot of outcry when the Chinese had the summer Olympics, you know, you know, back 20 years ago, whatever it was, and they gained enormous publicity. It is that China has used these kinds of uh, international uh, things for status building, and they will use this. Yeah, and, and to ask the the uh, athletes themselves to boycott the games or to protest the games. I mean, that, that, first of all, it was a limited response, but it penalizes the athletes, and any protest right. will be quashed by Beijing. They're not going to let a protest happen in Beijing. So, I mean. Um, I think it's time that we just say no, no thanks. Now, that's not going to happen because Circleback, as uh, when confronted in the White House, and this was last week admitted, and I quote her, the U.S. is not discussing a potential boycott of the 22 Winter Olympics in China. And she would know because she talks to Biden both before and after his naps. Right. Uh, uh, but but well, wait. So but uh, but Ted, are you saying you, you're calling for a full boycott? Don't go at all. Right. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, yeah. Nancy Pelosi says, well, you know, we should just step back and send, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, right. you know, a few athletes or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, if these people are committing genocide on the scale we're talking about slave labor. Why do you keep congratulating them? Why do you give them everything? They rule us. This, this is the argument right. of mine at the end. 
We don't just turn a blind eye on these atrocities in China. These are crimes against humanity. We look the other way. Uh, I, th- I say it was intentionally released. I, mean, I don't know. could be unintentional with the COVID-19 virus that resulted in 5 million people dead worldwide. We did nothing. They rule us. Game is over. Yeah. And now Xi Jinping well, and, and, has been reappointed to his third term, making him the new Mao Zedong. Well, and again, we're talking with Ted Malik. His piece is over at American Greatness. Um, and, and let me review. Uh, it was the 1980 Summer Olympics that were to be in Moscow. And uh, and once the, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, the Americans led a boycott. We did not send any athletes to the 1980 games, uh, the summer games. The winter games had already happened. And, uh, and remember... It was a ma- as you point out, it's a massive it's the if we go, China uses it as an opportunity to control everything and make it look like a great thing. They will have only the images they want. They'll control all of it. If we don't go, it will drive home dramatically what they're doing. And if we said we're not going because of one, two, three, it would have the effect of shining the largest spotlight on on China, the communist regime, probably in the last 25 years. Right. I think it would be that big a deal. Now, make no mistake, the Chinese-run uh, outlet Global Times has warned, and, and their um, foreign minister has warned, that China would seriously sanction any country that follows a boycott. So um, uh, they're, mm. they're not going to take this laying down. Uh, they're they're going mm. to play hard ball. But we're not playing ball at all. I mean, we do not have a president. I mean, we, we, we don't have anyone in charge. Or over and above that, and I think the news media, and I mean even the mainstream media is now catching on, that Biden and his son are in the throes. They are being paid by the Communist Party of China. Well, and I think, uh, I mean, again, I think I feel bad for the couple hundred um, uh, athletes, right, that have spent their time uh, and and their energy. But on the other hand, we're we're at such a point. All right, let me slide over to another piece you wrote that just came out, uh, I think, on late on Sunday this past week, a few days ago. Um, And you're talking about uh, the nominee, one of the Biden nominees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell walk us through this. This is incredible. Well, I mean, your your listeners might not know. It's a little bit obscure, but uh, uh, President Biden and Janet Yellen, for that matter, have nominated a former Soviet woman who's now a law professor at Cornell. How ironic! Uh, where the faculty, I'm sure, adores her regulatory positions to be the comptroller of the currency, which is a very powerful, very important position in banking in the U.S. The most important regulatory position, I would argue. And she has a higher degree from Moscow State University. And um, she did her Ph.D. thesis, which is now lost and destroyed. It can't be found, even though the senators have asked for copies on Marx, Karl Marx's theory uh, of revolution in capital. And we're going to put her in charge of all of our banks. Can you believe this? If I woke up and had a bad nightmare and this had happened, I would be like sopping myself and saying, what? This has actually happened. Is it is it is it is, it, is she going to pass? I mean, are we going to is she going to be able to be stopped or what, well, what's what's happening? People like me and uh, uh, hopefully a bunch of senators and people that are rattling the cage right now are making it more and more difficult by the day. So I'll predict that probably just after Thanksgiving or on a Friday when nobody's watching. The Biden administration will remove her nomination because she doesn't have the votes 
She doesn't have the votes hmm. to get through a 50-50 Senate, but now even a couple of Democrats, wiser, sensible, capitalist Democrats are saying, geez, we can't put this one in there. Wow. Wow. Well, again, I'll put it up on social media. It's uh, it is. I, I had seen a reference to it in the mainstream media, but I had not seen any of the uh, specifics. A nominee uh, for uh, the uh, uh, the controller of the currency and uh, and uh, the uh, qualifications, as you point out, her name is Saule Omarova. Uh, quite an extraordinary thing. All right, Ted, I got to run, unfortunately. Happy Thanksgiving, Ted Malik. Thank you for being on so often and everything you do. We appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving to all you, all of your listeners. Thanks. All right, Ted. We'll talk again soon. Ted Malik, everybody. I'll put both those pieces up on uh, social media. Uh, great writer and a great guy. I, I'm very grateful these last couple of years we have struck up a uh, friendship, and he's a super wonderful guy. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was reportedly vacationing at his family's luxurious home in exclusive East Hampton, Long Island, just as the Taliban was overthrowing the Afghan government. Blinken has so misjudged the rapid takeover by the Taliban of Afghanistan that he should resign immediately. Incredibly, the Western-installed president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, is a former Berkeley anthropology professor entirely unsuited for the challenge of his job, just as Joe Biden seems to be. As reported by the Washington Post, Ghani was more interested in early August in digitizing the Afghan economy than in defending against the invasion of his own capital. One Taliban commander marveled, we never thought we'd take Kabul so quickly. That commander was certainly not the only one surprised. With Biden officials departed for an early weekend and the Afghan president having abruptly fled the country, there was literally no leadership for any earnest defense. Military equipment can be replaced, but our trapped Americans cannot. Our equipment can now be used by terrorists against our own citizens there and elsewhere. On August 18th, Joe Biden declared... If there's American citizens left, we're going to stay to get them all out. But Biden then broke his promise by pulling out of Afghanistan before evacuating all of our citizens who wanted to leave. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out, Marine Corps General Kenneth McKenzie admitted as the final American troops were withdrawn from the country even earlier than the deadline demanded by the Taliban. The remaining Americans are targets for terrorists as bargaining chips or worse. Under President Trump's leadership, only three American soldiers died in the second half of last year in Afghanistan. Biden's failure to secure the Kabul airport and Bagram Air Base for the evacuation resulted in the horrendous massacre of 13 American troops, nearly all of them in their early 20s. While American citizens were left behind to face the Taliban alone, tens of thousands of Afghan men, women and children were airlifted and resettled inside our country and there was no way to adequately vet them. Far from eradicating terrorism in Afghanistan, Biden has equipped and facilitated it. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability. Never hesitating to say, America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. I've always wanted to say that, but it is not Ed Martin. It is Noah, producer Noah, right here on the Pro America Report. And I just wanted to finish off the show for Ed today because we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So I can't get you the final thoughts of Ed Martin for the Pro America Report today. But I'm going to wrap it up for you and just say it has been a tremendous pleasure producing for Ed over the last couple of years. And he is a true patriot. And I love the fact, one of my favorite things that he does here on the Pro America Report is have on stellar book authors. And it doesn't matter whether they're political authors or fiction authors or just great pieces of literature that were written you know, he gets into the weeds, finds out why they wrote the pieces that they wrote. And it just really is one of my favorite parts of the show. And hopefully next week or in the weeks to come, he has on one of my favorite authors who is a fiction author and one of the best out there. C.R. Stewart, author of Britfield and the Lost Crown. It is on pace with and to succeed, hopefully past Harry Potter it is the Britfield series. You can check it out at Britfield.com. The author is C.R. Stewart. I've had him on my own show. An excellent guest opportunity for Ed Martin. Hopefully he has him on his show as well, again, in the not-too-distant future. So, again, Ed, thank you for all of these tremendous authors that you have provided for your listening audience and for myself because they're stellar. And keep them as part of the Pro-America Report. We're headed into Thanksgiving week. Blessings to each and every one of you as you travel to and from family and friends. Ed Martin back tomorrow right here at the ProAmerica Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. He'll see you and I'll see you tomorrow. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.